Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 230 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew this week, starting with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this week, Richard? Hey, Seth. What's going on? Uh, not much. Recovering from some pro tour action and spoilers and Modern Horizons. It's a really busy time in the magic world, but I'm doing well. We also have Krim. How's it going today, Krim? It's going well. Morning, Seth. Morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, good to see you guys. So today... It's a busy magic week. I just said that. We got plenty to talk about. Main topics are going to be Corset 2020. We have almost the whole set now. Not quite, but a good percentage of the set. Most of those cards knew since last week. So a ton of spoilers to talk about. We also had Mythic Championship 3 that wrapped up yesterday, actually, in Las Vegas. So we're going to talk a bit about the Pro Tour slash Mythic Championship. And then, of course, your fish mail. But let's start off with the fun stuff. So Corset 2020 is releasing. I think pre-release is not this weekend, but the next weekend. Release after that. We have almost a full set though so before we get into the individual cards how are you guys feeling about this set now that we've actually seen most of it for power level of a core set i think i i didn't believe it at first but but now i th- i definitely agree that it might be one of the best core sets i i think like the power level of the set is just really sweet especially for a core set because usually core sets feel very Kind of, kind of tame, kind of weak, but like, you know, like a necessity, but this one actually feels pretty powerful. I, yeah, I think it does feel pretty powerful. I think it fills a lot of interesting kind of holes from pre-existing decks in standard that haven't quite been good enough, various tribes and stuff. There's a ton of sweet commander stuff. I'm mostly blown away by the complexity. I think for me, it's almost not the power level as much as if you look at these cards, they don't really strike me as corset cards, which are often like simpler and kind of like, I don't want to say watered down, but they're, they're made with new players in mind. But if you just read through like the mythics or even a lot of the rares, there's a lot of text and a lot of like complicated mechanics. This doesn't really feel all that corset y to me. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's filthy casual Richard looking <laughs> at this, but it feels like a commander set. Like I look at a lot of these cards and I'm like, I don't know what you would do with this in Standard, but it's clearly here for Commander. We have, like, a cycle of legendary creatures spanning three colors. There's just, outside of cards that specifically say multiplayer, I feel like they're really honing in on the casual crowd and making sure there are commander cards in in every set now. Yeah, there's a ton of legends, too. Like, even there's the cycle in Mythic, but then there's a bunch of rare legends, too. There's got to be at least 10 sweet new legends from this set, so definitely seems like a all-star set for commander. And we'll see about standard. It's really hard, I think, to evaluate a core set now when it releases because we're heading to rotation in like three months now a lot of sets are going to be leaving things will get shaken up so hopefully a lot of stuff that we're seeing right now and like oh what is this really doing standard or like look at that mana cost it takes triple of a single color of mana like how do you play that in ravnica standard hopefully stuff is going to make more sense as we go through like rotation and get a couple more sets in the format so i think it's one of those sets where with core sets i think you gotta wait and see before you evaluate it too hard and see what it looks like after rotation and what it does for the next year rather than what it's going to do for the next 
three months while we have a very like huge and kind of well-known standard at this point. So when we went away with the core sets, one of the things that uh, the community lamented was we were missing a set with generic answers. Uh, and, you know, cars just went rampant. Well, how do you guys feel? Do, do you feel there's a good mix of just generic answers to, to anything that the later expansions may bring? Oh, yeah. There's Thrashing Brontodon, uh, you know, Veil of Summer, Fry, like, Aethergust, I mean, Aethergust, whatever. And then, like, you know, Planar Cleansing. There's just so many good reprints and, like, solid new cards that are just sweet answers to a lot of things that are problematic in the format currently and probably going to be problematic yeah i think we have like color hate cards uh we have protection returning which is another like kind of meta balancing thing lots of graveyard hate the one thing i've been keeping an eye out for and haven't really seen much of is planeswalker answers so that's one thing i'm a little concerned about we're losing like the mortal sun we're losing sorceress spyglass so i was kind of thinking we'd get some sort of like cheap colorless or some sort of colorless planeswalker hate card because planeswalkers i mean i guess we'll talk about this more as we get to the mythic championship but they are kind of dominating standard right now and most of the good ones are not rotating so we'll see i guess it could still show up in the fall set or even still in course at 2020 but other than not having much Planeswalker hate, I think, yeah, they have put a lot of answers into this set. I kind yeah, of... I, I'm, I'm looking forward to Ley Line of Planeswalker. We'll get one oh, eventually. please. Please. It, it's, it's like a humility. It just changes them into a 1-1 one, one, so you can just, like, pick them off with gut shot. <laughs> I, I think there's going to be something at some point that's going to be, like, a Starfield of Nyx, but for Planeswalkers, and they'll be, like, <laughs> they uh, become creatures with power and toughness equal to their CMC, so they all die to board wipes. <laughs> But, uh, like, I don't know. I mean, I thought there was a solid amount of Planeswalker answers. You don't think so? Like, so far, like, Noxious Grasp, you have Fry. Like, the, like well, at least right now, when you think of problematic Planeswalkers, right? You have, uh, wh- whatever. Wh- what's the, um, I- I'm trying to remember the colors. Uh, it's like Noxious Grasp, instant, destroy target creature or Planeswalker that's green or white, you gain a life. I mean, there's a decent amount of white planeswalkers that are, are like, you know, Teferis and, uh, I mean, doesn't hit any blue planeswalkers, but it hits, for the most part, I think it hits a decent amount of planeswalkers. We're missing the colorless. That's, options. yeah, I think that's what I'm nervous about is like Pithing Needle rotating essentially and Sorceress Spyglass and like the Immortal Sun. So something that just like any deck can play to deal with any planeswalkers or even like multiple planeswalkers. But oh, that already I exists. Got- it's Ugin. <laughs> <laughs> that is a planeswalker crib. That's the opposite of what I'm talking about. But it's an it's a it's even better than an like a normal hate card, right? Because it comes with a planeswalker. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm We have Nicol Bolas, okay? Yeah, Good. yeah, Nicol Bolas. I mean, oh, don't man. you already know the best planeswalker removal is to remove the opponent, as in just reduce their health total from twenty to zero. So is everyone just going to play, like, 30 Planeswalkers after rotation? (laughs) Runaway Steamkin says fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's talk some individual cards. Richard, guide us through some sweet, sweet new spoilers. So speaking of Planeswalkers, let's see which other pushed mythics we have that (laughs) may end up dominating standard for a while. So Green has a new toy. Invivian Arcbow Ranger. One green, green, green. So three green mana symbols, four CMC, 
four starting loyalty, plus one, distribute two plus one plus one counters among up to two target creatures, they gain trample until end of turn, minus three, target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature or planeswalker, minus five, you may choose a creature card you own from outside the game, reveal it, and put it into your hand. What is it with wizards and wishes these days? Like They've already, like, destroyed the graveyard. The graveyard doesn't even count for anything. Exile is the new graveyard. Bottom of the library is, like, what you previously thought of as a graveyard, and now they're playing with outside the game. (laughs) Like, yeah, we we got, like, a cycle of wishes in the early days of Magic, and I think there were, like, two in the next 20 years, and now we've gotten, like, a ton in the last year. I mean, I think Vivian's really powerful, though. I think out of, well, maybe discounting six mana Chandra, but out of all the Planeswalkers, possibly discounting Chandra, I think this is the strongest Planeswalker from Corset 2020. I I agree with that. I mean, it's not... I mean, it's not crazy flashy or anything like that. I mean, I I think that the minus five is. I think that's pretty cool, uh, especially for a core set. Uh, but I think all these planeswalkers. This is what I I I, I meant a little bit earlier too on like how cool the this core set is. That all the planeswalkers don't feel as crazy vanilla as you would expect them to feel. Like it, like you know, if from a core set. But uh, it, it's. Uh, I really like this one, and I still really like Chandra. Uh, I, I think Vivian is going to do a lot of work with that that uh, plus one. That plus one's sweet. Yeah, giving Trample makes that very scary. If it was just two plus one plus one counters, it would be fine, but the Trample is a really big deal there. Obviously, triple green means you do have to be pretty dedicated to green, or maybe devoted to green to actually make it work. Yep. But if you're playing like mono green stompy gruel stompy this coming down like on turn three off of a mana dork that's a card that's going to close out a lot again like imagine just like turn one land war turn two steel leaf champion turn three this two counters on steel leaf attack for seven with trample like that's going to close out a lot of games really fast and then you get to tutor out silver bullets from your sideboard you need a carnage tyrant to deal with crims to fairies you can get it <laughs> or like a knight of autumn to blow up an artifact or a chapman or gain life so there's uh, i think this card's really strong yeah like, I'm just, I'm kind of like getting worried about how many times I have to deal with probably Nullhide Ferox. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, it's triple green, does nothing if you have no creatures, and then you gotta like waste all your sideboard slots with like all these things. Like, if we had Collected Company, like one of those style decks, like a really heavy creature deck where your answers in your sideboard will be creatures, then this is not bad. But, I don't know, you gotta, it's pretty restrictive. Like, triple green, plus you need to dedicate a sideboard to a toolbox, plus you need to actually have creatures to do something. Unlike kind of big Vivian right now, where you just slam her down and you win, this is like, hmm, you need a board. <laughs> that fight isn't relevant. I guess it, the, I guess the fight is okay because it kills planeswalkers. Yeah. And uh, also, it just, de- it's not even a fight, right? It just deals damage. Yeah, it's not fight. So it's that's even, like that's even better. Uh, if it was players, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, well. <laughs> you're like, steal two. You. You, you, <laughs> you minus three, you're dead. I think the other thing is, uh, we've seen 
the negative five ability to the wish ability be especially important to best of one. So I think that that's another part of this design is I think this is a card that's probably even better because one thing we've learned about best of one in the last year is if you can cheat and actually have a sideboard while other people don't have a sideboard, it gives you a really big advantage. So I think that's maybe part of the reason we're seeing all these wish effects is another like side effect for wizard trying to include some best of one abilities onto cards. That's a really good point. Alright, next up we have Soren Imperious Bloodlord, two in a black, four starting loyalty, plus one. Target creature you control gains death touch and lifelink until end of turn. If it's a vampire, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Plus one, you may sacrifice a vampire. When you do, Soren deals three damage to any target and you gain three life. Minus three, you may put a vampire creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. Huh. I, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm kind of curious what kind of like vampires are going to come out of all of this because <laughs> all your vampires that are really good are going to be like rotating, right? In a couple months. But I, I think this is going to be fun for EDH <laughs> more than anything else. Yeah, I think that Soren is very strong. It's obviously very, very narrow. You have to play it in a vampire deck for it to really do anything. But in a dedicated vampire deck, it's got a lot of good and relevant abilities. Uh, the thing I kind of, that's a little awkward is the negative three. I looked through like all the vampires in standard and you don't really have a lot of big vampires to put into play, especially good big vampires. So the negative three, probably a little less frightening than it looks when you read, oh my goodness, I get to put something into play for free. Like vampires are kind of naturally safe as far as that's concerned, but <gasps> it seems like a strong card for a vampire deck. And for right now, we still do have all the Ixalan vampires. So maybe like heading into rotation, you can make it work. The Minus three Sky March Aspirant. <laughs> the three mana blue enchantment. That turns everything of yours into a certain creature type. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Make yeah. everything a, a vampire. <laughs> and the, there you go. There's your against the odds. <laughs> yeah, this would be sweet in an EDH. Dare I say modern. You you Soren and then you minus three of Morphon. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and then you yes. go nuts. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> totally. <laughs> But for standard, if we had an aristocrats deck, which, uh, we, I don't know that we have enough vampires or blood artists, uh, especially with rotation, this is pretty, like, the plus one is a lightning helix when you sacrifice a vampire. So, I don't know, maybe? Depends on what, what we get in the future sets. If they keep pushing vampires or return to Innistrad or whatever, uh, this could be pretty interesting. Yeah. It, it it's definitely a very powerful card once there's a vampire deck. Yeah, I think the weirdest thing about this core set for me is how many of the cards seem focused on existing tribes and I can't really figure out if Wizards is trying to like give vampires, for example, one last push before they rotate in a couple months or if all those tribes are going to be like returning, because we're seeing like spirits, but they rotate. We're seeing dinosaurs, vampires, all, like almost all the Ixalan tribes are getting these support cards, but they're leaving really soon. So I'm having a hard time figuring out what that means. Like if we're getting another tribal set in the next year of standard, or if they're just trying to like give those tribes one last push before rotation. No, they're just printing cards that new players will like. <laughs> right? Like, oh, okay, Commander Legendaries, cool. Lots of tribal cards, cool. And then core sets are made for new players, so they'll hopefully draw them in. That's my theory. Like Octo Prophet. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Boo Yanling, a Sky Dancer, one blue blue, two starting loyalty, plus two until your next turn. Up to one target creature gets minus two, minus zero, and loses flying. Minus three, create a four four blue elemental bird creature token with flying. Minus eight, you get an emblem with islands you control have tap draw card. Well, <laughs> that ultimate's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I would it? love to be able to tap my islands to draw a card. <laughs> it's like a blue version of Cost Ultimate almost. I I really want to like Mu Yingling. I think the problem is and I think this is a side effect of War of the Spark and all the Planeswalkers is we have so many really good Planeswalkers that when I see Moon Yang Ling, I'm like, okay, this this is fine. And maybe in a normal standard where we have, you know, 15 total Planeswalkers or something, I would be excited for it. But when you see Moon Yang Ling and you have uh, Teferi in the three-drop slot, Narset in the three-drop slot, you're just like, is this really going to beat out the three-mana Planeswalkers we already have? And... I think the answer is sadly, like, probably no, even though it's a sweet ultimate and a sweet card. All right, that that sums up the evaluation of this card. The uncommon Planeswalker Narset has out-wrestled the mythic Mu Yanling for a spot in most decks. So, yeah. I I still like this card. I I agree with Seth. It's a little, it's a little rough. I don't know how, like, what what deck would want this, right? Like, I mean... Narset seems great and everything, and Fairy's pre- obviously very good in format warping, so... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe you can play them all? Like, just all of three-mana Planeswalker tribal? We need collective <laughs> company for Planeswalkers. Yeah, I... I <laughs> and, feel, the, and then uh, Yang Ling, watch out. What is it? What's the uh, Oath Oath Watch card again? Like, the six-mana Coco? Oh. oh. Yeah, it's a little expensive. We need four-mana Planeswalker Coco. Reprinted at the uh, printed at the wrong time. That would actually, wrong if, time. if it had like the restriction of three CMC or less, that would actually be pretty fair. I think you would just get like no it wouldn't. And, and <laughs> <laughs> How is that fair? <laughs> oh, I, I'm fine. As long as it'll hit the Teferi, it's fine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, air elemental that gets bounced to Teferi Time Raveler is. Um, it's a little lacking. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe, you know, this, you're in, in some kind of like tempo deck, like maybe like teamer elementals and, and you need to hate out things that fly, you know, that this plus two here would shut that off. <laughs> I, I could see it taking the, the Jace Cunning castaway slot after rotation. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or that. <laughs> All right, let's talk about a rare land. We have Lotus Field land, Hexproof, enters the battlefield tapped. When it enters the battlefield, sacrifice two lands, tap, add three mana of any one color. I already love that everyone... Like, I think this card is really cool, and, like, the issue... Like, I know... It may not be, like, something that's a powerhouse and standard... Maybe not yet, maybe not immediately, maybe not even powerful in, in modern or anything like that immediately, but eventually something will break this card and it's going to be a huge problem. Yeah. It might uh, not, am I missing something? Like if you have no lands, it's just a tap three mana land? Oh, no, 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 no. You, it is a no? land. Yeah. What? 
Oh, it's, you have to sacrifice itself. Yeah, if you only had one land or zero oh. lands, you would have to sacrifice itself. So okay, so in standard, it does kind of nothing. What is yeah, it? What is I it? Mean, people are saying blood modern. sun. Blood sun. Whoa! There is blood sun. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, crucible of worlds to get your lands back from the graveyard. In modern. It can be just like a Black Lotus uh, with Amulet, especially Amulet of Vigor, because you get to untap it before you sack it. So, like, turn one, Simeon Spirit Guide, Amulet, this. Uh, you built a Black Lotus. That could be powerful. Got yourself a sweet little addition in, like, maybe Neo Brand. I don't know. I think I agree with Krim that this is the card from the set that I think is most likely to be broken. I don't know if it will be immediately, but this is a card that the power level is really high, and I think it's better than Lotus Veil. Didn't you play that in Commander Class 1, Trister? I don't remember if you got punished or not for No, sacrifice. I played it with um, Wind Grace. Ah, uh, okay. So, I mean... You, you would never play that normally <laughs> in Commander, <laughs> but since Wind Grace brings back lands and stuff, uh, it's probably fine but this has hexproof yeah that's what i was gonna say because of hexproof i think you can play this normally in a lot more decks at least it's in the conversation because you don't auto lose to a wasteland or a ghost quarter or something yeah but you you do auto lose to a blood moon (laughs) so (laughs) but if you have a blood sun profit so i I don't know right (laughs) it's it's a strange card but i feel like it will eventually become broken yeah, this like, this will be. It's like Lion's Eye Diamond or something. Like I, I don't know what it does, but like one day it'll become broken, uh, like like it became. And one day they're gonna print a very playable creature that prevents lands from triggering or something <laughs> when they enter. And then this. Uh, oh, in Commander you can Thespian uh, stage this thing. Haha. <laughs> Ooh, yes, that's you, that's what you do is you wait for your opponent to play the Lotus Feel and then you get a free one with your. With your <laughs> oh no, it's hexproof. It's hexproof. Oh. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Foiled. You have to do your own. <laughs> you can like stifle it. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> it's true. Oh. That is oh. true. What is it? Repudiate? That's still in the the format right now. You can play I mean, that. I mean, I I have heard. I have had several people send me deck lists that involve Blood Sun and Kiora, which can untap a land, uh, or like Nissa that can untap lands. Like if you have a way that you can untap. Lotus Field, it can make an absurd amount of mana really quickly. I'm a little worried you're playing, like, bad cards to make a kind of good card work, but uh, in the Dream Scenario, when it goes off, it's really gonna go off. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of... Uh, was it Teferi, or is it? No, Teferi. The Teferi Planeswalker for a commander that untaps permanence. Ooh, oh, yeah. six mana color land that doesn't get, like, obliterated, so... <laughs> It's going to be good. So, like, you think it'd go in, like, a stack stack? Because that's... I think that's what that Teferi mostly is, right? Yeah, it's a a stack stack, but to actually win, it needs something that produces more than one mana to go infinite. Oh, yeah. So... Especially if there's, like, orbs and stuff out, only untap one land... I'll untap this one. You're you're all caught up on this deck. Wasn't this like the first one of the first decks you played on Commander Clash and you were like <laughs> reading the primer? <laughs> yeah. Where I was like, hey, <laughs> I was asked to partake like two minutes before. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I'll read this primer as I go, I guess. That, now you're an expert. I wouldn't say that. All right. <laughs> Let, let's move on to the new Tarmogoyf, Rotting Regisaur, <laughs> two in a black. 7-6 zombie dinosaur at the beginning of your upkeep discard a card does not die to doom blade love it 
<laughs> this might be the most debated card that I've seen. What do you guys think? Like, is this card good? I I look at it and I see the the glass half full of like turn one land and war, turn two play this, kill your opponent in three attacks. But then I've seen other people that are like, it's just like stone unplayable. You can't play it. Period. Where do you guys come down on this one? Unplayable in a fair deck. <laughs> I think it's playable. I I don't know. If it's just, uh, I, I think it's moderately playable. I, I just don't know what kind of, like, is there going to be a graveyard deck that could use this? Maybe. Like, we already have Command the Dread Horde, so maybe filling up your yard isn't the worst thing. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe, like, a sideboard card to, like, bring in for, like, slow, dirtily matchups, and you want to fill up your yard. But why do you want to fill up your yard? So you- For Command the Dread Horde? Like, just for Command the Dread Horde? <laughs> I mean, could be sweet. I don't know. Maybe like there's an anger or something like that reprinted. I I don't know. I mean, I think this card is actually just very strong on its own. A three mana seven six. Is it? Like it just gets chumped by tokens all day. Not with new Vivian. Yeah. I, I think that the dream is turn one elf and then turn two Regisaur and then turn three Vivian and then hope they die in two shots. And I, it's all uh, foiled by a single removal spell. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it does oh. die to every removal spell, right? That's the thing. It, like, Tyrant Scorn, Cast Down, all of it. What's worse is if it's an instant speed, or they have to ferry, they wait until you discard and then remove your creature, right? So it's like, super feels bad. I mean, it is risky. It's obviously a risky plan, but it's huge. 7-6 for 3, like... Those are some legit stats. I would expect the downside to be bigger. I think, as much as I love drawing cards, discarding a card on your upkeep does not seem like that big of a downside. I expect, like, can't attack unless you're empty-handed, or, like, something ridiculous. So, to me, it seems like maybe you could just play, like, uh, like an all-in aggro-style deck, the old, like, suicide black decks, or sure, my stuff has, like, a lot of downsides, but I'm just attacking, 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 and I'm gonna try to kill you if it doesn't work out or doesn't work out, like Frexian Negator or something. But it's a step, it's just gonna attack into a bunch of tokens, like, I No one plays creatures anymore, it's all planeswalkers. (laughs) (laughs) But then I I don't know, man, they're just gonna Teferi talk this thing, and... That is... uh, I I, I don't know, it's... So would you take a three mana seven six and then your opponent has like a one sided Liliana going? <laughs> right? Like it's I, I will your, admit your, your cards matter. <laughs> I, I admit to you that yeah, like if they play three mana Teferi and they just bounce this, like it's like <laughs> nice. <laughs> Start over. Because it doesn't, yeah, that's it, doesn't fine. <laughs> it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything, right? Like it doesn't it doesn't leave something behind, you know, like that that's the issue. Yeah, I mean, but, but the upside most, is uncontested. It's it's still a four turn clock. It's kind of slow. It, how about this? How about it's what about like the Legion War Boss slot? You know how people like have four <laughs> War Bosses in their sideboard and they bring it in to like when they're expecting not blockers and removal that hopefully can't deal with it after sideboarding. Could reg- could this do something similar out of the sideboard? The issue, the like, well, War Boss works because War Boss creates like an army on its own. But this is an army on its own. Well, like, the, but the, like, it can be like solved with one spot removal. Whereas, like, sometimes, uh, if they don't have it on the spot, war boss eventually just runs away with the game. And yeah, you remove the war boss, but there's like these like fifty tokens still on the board. Yeah, and you don't get the free upside of like a free arena token. <laughs> when yeah, still have their stop set. Yep, so yep. You, you don't get that upside. 
I see if I see red, I just put a stop usually. <laughs> but but yeah, like I like the the play, war boss runs around. I've the never game. hit anyone with the goblin chain roller, okay? It's just a three three first strike and it's always removed. I'm sure as soon as someone knows you're playing Regisaur, they're just gonna wait, hold the removal for it, right? So <sighs> risky. Alright, alright. It is big though. It looks I do what, like okay, that. what about modern? <laughs> I mean, in modern, maybe like madness or something. We do have unearth now, so maybe modern is more situated where you can take advantage of the discard ability. It makes your hollow one cheaper. Uh, so there's all discard kinds your of hogox. Cool I don't know. Yeah, all kinds of cool things you can do in modern. Although, in I guess in some ways it is better against the removal in modern, where like lightning bolt doesn't kill it at least, so it yep. dodges more removal maybe. Uh, so maybe like a madness deck would be worth trying it in. Yeah, still dies to fatal push. <laughs> Fair removal spells. No one plays that anymore. Come on now, Richard. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Kethis, the Hidden Hand, White, Black, Green. So three CMC, Abzan, three four, Legendary creature, Elf Advisor. Legendary spells you cast cost one less. Exile two Legendary cards from your graveyard. Until end of turn, each legendary card in your graveyard gains. You may play this card from your graveyard. Absolutely love this card for EDH. <laughs> like, this, this card is super sweet for EDH. For three mana. Three mana. This is so good. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a sweet commander, and I'm kind of coming around to trying to build around it in standard. Like, we have good mana right now. We have a lot of legendary matter stuff from Dominaria for the next couple months. So maybe you can build like a heroic Abzan deck or something. Give Mizzet the to fairy. Yeah, Niv Mizzet to fairy naturally, and then <laughs> I think Kethis is really sweet. I don't know about like standard. Obviously, I mean the 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 Niv Mizzet deck is a little bit of a reach, but you know whatever, it's fine. <laughs> and I I do think this card is just a solid body. Also, it's a three mana three four. Uh, but it just seems sweet. I like it in Sissy decks, maybe. But as commander, I think it's pretty weak. Uh, you need to have like three legendaries in your graveyard to get one back, and then you have to pay mana for it too. Mm, I don't yeah. know. I, I think having Sissy, like either Sissy as your commander, tutoring this thing up as a support card is pretty good. But as your actual commander, it's a bit meh. It seems like in the late game, it kind of gives you almost like a Yagmas will, if you're willing to go all in on it, like a Sisei deck, maybe. Although, like, Sisei, you can't even play this in Sisei, can you? Because it's got black mana. Yeah, the the, the new Sisei is five. Oh, five, the, new, five oh the new one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Old Sisei, okay. you can't. Maybe, yeah, maybe it isn't a, a commander, but it, it's definitely somewhere in the 99. I, th- I just think it's sweet for EDH more than anything else. Yeah, you can get Planeswalkers back. Um, <laughs> mox. Your Mox. Yeah, lands. <laughs> legendary lands. Legendary yeah. lands. There are a lot of legendaries g- given the oh the, the game that no one has seen that we've already recorded. <laughs> there are a lot of legendaries that are non-creatures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like there's a lot you can do with it, I I think, out of, e- like, out of EDH. In standard, I don't know how many legendaries we can cram into one deck, but I guess for Niv-Mizzet, we could try. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Omnath, Locus of the Royal. One green, blue, red. So four CMC, Teamer, three, three. 
When Omnath enters the battlefield, it deals damage to any target equal to the number of elementals you control. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on target and elemental you control. If you control eight or more lands, draw a card. Omnath is just picking up another color every time we see it. Uh, but, <laughs> yep. like, it's also sweet. I, I think if there is an elemental deck, this is definitely going in it, right? Yes, it's got to be one. I, it might be the best elemental payoff we have in standard. I still am not sure, like, uh, do we have the pieces to make real elemental tribal work in standard? Eh, I don't know if we're there yet, maybe in the future. But if there is an elemental deck, this seems like a really good four drop for it. I'm kind of man it for commander, though, compared to the other Omnas. Oh, yeah. I mean, a commander, unless you are trying to do some kind of elemental tribal, it, it's super man. <laughs> It's a four mana three three, uh, well, but you need to use this one and then tutor up the good Omnath first. <laughs> play that, oh. get some elementals, and then play this one. You're right. <laughs> I don't know. I I think this card is sweet. I think this card is very sweet. Like if we can get a, an elemental deck going. I mean, we already have Creeping Trailblazer, so Creeping Trailblazer that that that's kind of like a, a Lord effect for elementals. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if elementals are a thing in standard, I think Omnath will probably be part of it. Yeah, <laughs> this this thing just looks like Flubber to me, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of does now that you mention it. <laughs> it is just Flubber, though. <laughs> All right, next up we have Legion's End, one in a black... Sorcery, exile target creature and opponent controls with converted mana cost two or less, and all of the creatures that player controls with the same name as that creature. Then that player reveals his or her hand and exiles all cards with that name from their hand and graveyard. Very powerful. Um, the only thing is, <laughs> how many two, like, two CMC creatures or less are we worried about? I mean, it's like sever the bloodline for half the mana, right? It doesn't hit everything, but yeah. it also hits the hits the graveyard in the hand. I think that's pretty sweet. Bloodgast. I almost think this is like a a hate card almost. Like I don't really think you play it as a main deck removal spell. I guess it depends on the meta, but really good at hating out tokens. Like if you're worried about History of Benalia, March of the Multitude type stuff. It's really good there. Uh, it's pretty good against uh, certain threats, like Persistent Petitioners, uh, <laughs> Rat Colony, uh, 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 Growth yes. Chamber Guardians, probably a more like tier-ish version of that, but pretty good against go uh, Growth Chamber Guardian as well to get the one on the battlefield and from the hand. But would you play this main deck, Krim? Like, in your Esper Control deck or whatever, is this good enough no. with that 2CMC restriction or is it more like in the right meta maybe it's in my sideboard right meta sideboard I would not main deck this uh, I'd rather I'd rather have something more diverse right now so like e e like I, I would still use even a cast down over this actually alright next up we have Elvish Reclaimer Green it's a 1-2 Elf Warrior so 1CMC uh, it gets plus two, plus two, as long as there are three or more lands in your graveyard. Pay two, tap, sacrifice a land, search your library for a land, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. I really like this card. It's kind of like a mixture of Weathered Wayfarer, or Wayfarer, Wayfinder? I think it's Wayfarer. Wayfinder. 
Wayfair? Right. No, Wayfair. Wayfair. <laughs> but it's kind of like a mixture of that and a little bit of Knight of the Reliquary mixed in. Uh, getting non-basic lands can be pretty powerful if you want specific lands, tutoring up your, like, Ghost Quarter or Strip Mine or in Commander, getting combo lands, Cabal Coffers, Urborg, or Dark Depths, Thespian Stage. And it's only one mana, and it's going to turn into a 3-4 really quickly. Like, in Modern, Fetch Land, Fetch Land, Sack of Land, this ends up being a 3-4 for on turn two it can't attack until turn three but it grows outside of like lightning bolt range really quickly i think this card's really powerful what do you think about legacy like uh, fetch up that cradle yeah get a, a one mana one two it's an elf <laughs> hmm? that that might or, or is it like too far of a mana. stretch by the time you get to two mana and tap this thing which is, I guess, turn two. Uh, <laughs> like, do you still want to create? I think you want to cradle. So this is good, right? Does it? Yeah. Doesn't this huh. slow down your game plan? I guess it's uh, annoying that the land yeah. comes into play tapped. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't you rather just do something else? <laughs> I don't know. But cradle. <laughs> Usually, the card I fear most out of the elf deck is cradle, right? And this is an elf that fetches a cradle. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. But we're gonna need. We're gonna need an elf elf ball expert for this one but that that's interesting it's kind of cool that it fizzles land destruction too like if you just leave it up and your opponent goes to ghost quarter your tron land or whatever you can just sack it and get another version of the same tron land like i don't think you'll actually play this in tron but it is kind of another nice upside <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> would you play this in tron why not <laughs> Maybe. I don't know if Tron has enough lands to sack. I guess you can, like, turn one forest, turn two, turn three Tron land, sack Tron land, get a Tron land. <laughs> that kind of works. I mean, as long as you have four, like, if, as long as you have three lands, right? If one of them is not, if you haven't assembled Tron, in which case you won already, then you just sack the land that's not Tron for Tron, right? Yeah. I mean, that, but you're turning on, like, Fatal Push and Lightning Bolt. I don't know... Like, does Tron want a random one-drop that d- turns on I mean, its opponent's But if you removal? have to keep in those cards, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know, is it... <laughs> hmm. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll work. It seems possible-ish. All right, what if you sack a land and then get Lotus Field and then sack two more lands? <laughs> Ooh. Boom, three, four. <laughs> yeah, got him, got him. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All right, how about Fry? One in the red, instant. This spell can't be countered. Fry deals five damage to target creature or planeswalker that's white or blue. I can't think of any planeswalkers or creatures that would die to this. It's like none. None at all. <laughs> like Teferi or any of them. Seems like or Narset. a good way to kill Teferi. And- just... Two mana Doomblade, just me. <laughs> just like me. <laughs> and I mean, five is enough that either Teferi, even if it ticks up, it's still going to die, and you get through the counter spells. It seems like that's almost what this was targeted for. Is this good, though? Like, oh, yeah. no one plays counter spells anymore. Does it even matter that it can't be countered? It's not. That part is the irrel. I mean, like, there are Dovin's vetoes here and there, but that that's not yeah. the part that matters. Because you just play D-Spark or something, right? Uh, but if you're in red... You may not have that. That's true. Uh, and, and like, this also blows up Lyra. So, like... I, oh, that is critical, yes. Yeah, like, for, for two mana, you have an answer now to Lyra, to Fairy, almost anything out of the Esper deck. Um, yeah, it's I like mean, a- we saw Fight with Fire this weekend. That's 
three mana? What what is the unkicked fight with fire? Three. So it is two, three mana. Three. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't hit planeswalker. So fight with fire or fry? Because fight with fire, you can just kick and kill someone as well. But if you have that uh, many lands, are you aren't you a little bit worried? <laughs> I think I don't think you main deck this. I think oh, yeah. like it's a sideboard card that is good against Teferi control decks and good against like white aggro decks, where it's just like a fine removal spell for anything in Boros aggro or blue white aggro. So maybe that flexibility is enough that it's worth a couple of sideboard slots. Yeah, if you're if you're in red, I would definitely recommend this card. I think it's it's just a solid card. Why would you not want to play it out of the sideboard? It it answers so many things in the format right now. All right. So we're running long on time, so we're just going to list off some other relevant cards that were previewed this week. We got Leyline Cycle reprint, along with two new Leylines. We have the Temple Cycle reprints. We have Planar Cleansing. We have Steel Overseer. So lots of reprints of expensive cards. Yeah, ley lines are huge for modern. That's definitely Leyline of the Void was like fifty bucks and now it's down to fifteen ish or heading towards there. So if you don't have them, pick up your ley lines for modern this summer while they're cheap, because they will get more expensive again. They're just too important to the format not to go back up in price. Yeah. Also oh, a goblin ringleader? Yep. Which yep. I don't know about standard, but that means it's in modern now and uh the goblins are we we almost we have like almost every goblin now, right? We're just we're just missing Rashad Important Wasteland. <laughs> I mean we <laughs> already see legacy. We're already seeing black, red, vile goblins in modern, like running around five owing and stuff. Yep. So <laughs> now it has ringleader, so why not? Yep. Uh not a reprint, but it has goldfish on it, drawn from the dreams, or drawn from dreams. I was talking to Seth about it <laughs> in his in his stream. I if tap out control is the way everything is going, Drawn from Dreams is pretty sweet, right? <sighs> I, I think it's so bad. It's, it's, it's like dig through time. It's like oh. mediocre through time. We, that's, that's, <laughs> so, if it was an instant, I would like it. But as a source, You have Teferi. You're good. Yeah, Teferi makes it instant. <laughs> okay. Also, the opposing Teferi makes your instant sorcery anyways. So that's what I mean. Like, if we're, if we're already playing at tap out speed... Uh, but no one, no one even it plays card draw anymore. Well, they it, just play it Planeswalker. It's like, not, no it's not card draw. Chemister's insight anymore. It's not card draw because you never draw any cards. Yeah. <laughs> See, so it gets around Narset. Okay, okay, okay. All right. It's, maybe, maybe it's better than I'm giving it credit for. I just wish it was an instant, and then I would be hyped for it. I just like it because it has, you know, goldfish on it. <laughs> 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 I also think that it's just a sweet card if. I don't know. It may, maybe maybe it's just like just garbaggio, but like the thing here is like I I'm I, I'm gonna try it. I don't know. I mean, if we're playing tap out speed, why not? And if you have it's a fairy, it's it's not as much of a a meme as you would think because like it's it's entirely possible. It does seem sweet. Maybe in uh, Nexus decks, seven cards deep is probably gonna hit you in Nexus, and you untap your lands anyway. So being sorcery speed isn't that big of a drawback. That yeah. seems like a, a possibility. Chemister's yeah. Insight, though. Chemister's Insight but, I mean, draws you cards. That's a problem. If the, if the Mythic Championship taught me anything, the opponent will always have a Teferi anyway. So exactly. So point of instant speed card draw, right? You might as well play Drawn from Dreams. Gets to Narset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to play playing at Sorcery Speed anyway. Yeah. Uh, Narset and Teferi. They're always... <laughs> like, they're, they're the most certain <laughs> thing in standard. So... Just assume your opponent will always have them on the battlefield. <laughs> they usually do. <laughs> they usually do. All right. So that's all the 
previews we want to talk about this week. Uh, we still have some more previews, so we'll cover them next week. Uh, in the meantime, you can check them all out at mtgpreviews.com. So before we get to fish mail, we also had a mythic championship this weekend. Uh, so let's talk about that really quick. Quick takeaways, because we're going long this week. So did either of you actually uh, get to catch any of Mythic Championship 3? I watched the whole thing. It was amazing. <laughs> I watched day one, the whole day one. And then I'm like, there's way too much Teferi going on here. <laughs> so I skipped day two, mm. <laughs> come back for day three for the top four. <laughs> It's weird. It's it's probably the main reason why I watched the whole thing. I was thing. like, Krim is having the time of his life here. <laughs> we already talked about it. I had my phone like, finger. Is there any deck without Teferi in it? <laughs> I was late. Was waiting to see Mono Red splash into Teferi, but it didn't. <laughs> no one came through. <laughs> no, no one came through. Yeah, super unfortunate. But so much Esper, though. Seriously. Oh my gosh, Krim. But Esper didn't even win. <laughs> That's that's true. You didn't that's even true. win. So, so I guess Teferi's fair then. Yeah, yeah there's not. Fine. I, I'm still on the band Nexus plan. <laughs> I no. Mean, I, I watched it in and out throughout the weekend, and there were a couple of really awesome games. Like, it was awesome seeing Kai go on a run, make it to the top four. That was really sweet. The finals was actually just an insane match. Like, if you didn't watch it, go watch the finals. The It was just so... <laughs> So close. It's so dramatic. So the fifty thousand uh, dollar opt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That the opt was. Oh man, that was just a crazy turn. So I actually thought that the play was really good. The coverage was really good. Standard. Yeah, it's it's horrible timing. Like everyone's focused on Modern Horizons or M twenty. Standard's like kind of deadish. So I feel like the timing of the tournament didn't really do it any favors because I think I kind of was not hyped. Not because I thought the coverage would be bad or the players would be bad, but just like Standard is kind of in a weird dead spot over the summer. But all things considered, I really enjoyed it. The parts that I saw of it. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. So no limited section, right? Sixty. Eight players, some of which just seeded uh, directly into day two, uh, and then double elimination, and then we also had the double elimination finals where uh, one player had to win two sets and one player only had to win one. Uh, so it was actually pretty epic. And uh, to be honest, I was a bit biased going into the weekend. I was like, "Oh, standard, like, kind of sucks," and like, "I don't know about this." But five minutes of watching Arena. I was just like, oh, I forgot how fast this is and, you know, how 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 quickly games are going. Can you imagine if that was a paper tournament, like the <laughs> Nexus player? Like, dear God, right? Like, every time he shuffles, like, instant, snap a finger, right? If that was paper, man, every time he activates Ascanta, every time he shuffles back, time, you know, that, that finals would have taken, like, hours on paper. But on Arena, it was just quick and fast, no problem, right? So uh, I actually really liked it, and it's, giving me i i really want to see a new standard with a new set uh using the arena format uh, i think that would blow coverage out of the water and be one of the best events ever so even with bad standard it was pretty good it was pretty interesting and i, I like what they did uh and yeah i think what, what were the finals at? it was over a hundred thousand viewers right oh I th- boy i think so yeah, so even with stream embedding, that's good, right? No, yeah. Seth? <laughs> uh, it's, there's been a big conversation about it the last couple of days. Did they amp up the embedding? Is it like embedded more than before? 
Uh, so, I mean, there's my initial estimate, and a couple people have corrected me. I thought they were probably around 55k views, but then a couple other people said my math was wrong and it was more like 35k views, uh, discounting them betting. So, I don't know. I don't know what to think of the numbers. Like, it looked good on paper. It, it sounds flashy to say over a hundred thousand, and uh, I don't think it was quite as high as the Mythic Invitational, but I. I don't know. I assume it was probably, like, a good pro tour. I don't think it was, like, three times as many views as we ever had for a pro tour before. But I think it yeah. was still a pretty, like, even discounting them betting, I think it was still a a solid and one of the more watched pro tours. So so we've seen, like, bad streams with embedding, like MPL, right? Where even with embedding, <laughs> the numbers are pretty lackluster. So given that this is a new... A new Pro Tour format on a random weekend with uh, Magic Fest Seattle going on and Old Standard hitting, uh, you know, close to all-time highs uh, with yeah. or without embedding. Like, both math would be all-time high, right? Uh, it's pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think it definitely is. Uh, I think it was a successful weekend, even discounting the embedding thing, and definitely makes you excited for what the future could hold. Uh, I I almost wonder, like, with the embedding thing, do they even need it? Like, if you're gonna have, like, doesn't the most watch pro tour you've ever done? Like, is that not enough of a selling point that you need to? like jack it up and have all the like conversation about how many real views there are like what well, if you just how are you had, gonna like, get sponsors yeah i think it might be for sponsors if you don't okay. lie to them <laughs> well i don't know like, how, how, do, how do we get sponsors without lying to them <laughs> fake it till you make it man <laughs> isn't that just esports anyways <laughs> yeah I, I, I guess that's true Coverage was great. Like, this was the first time Cedric had done coverage, I believe, for an official Wizards event, and they had a lot of the coverage team from the Mythic Invitational, and uh, I thought it was really good. Like, through all the parts of the weekend I watched, it was really solid. So, there, even the commentators did get caught a little bit sometimes by, like, Planeswalker static abilities, which is funny, because <laughs> that's what happens to all the players anyway, but there's a few yeah. times people are like, why aren't they casting their card draw spell? Cast your card draw spell! And they're like, oh, <laughs> there's an set. The funniest was the double to Teferi, where Kai is like, I have Teferi, so we'll upkeep Thought Erasure. But then the other Teferi also ticked up, so we couldn't upkeep Thought Erasure. <laughs> oh, those static abilities. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I thought Mystic Championship 3, it was a lot more entertaining than I expected. I was a little bit, like, dreading it because, not because, again, because of the coverage or the tournament, just the format, but the magic was really great. The players were great. There were a couple of really epic matches. There was another one earlier with Kai and uh, Raphael Levy that was just a great match. So definitely some good video-on-demand targets if you want to spend, like, an hour or two watching some of the highlights. There was some really good magic. It was broadcasted really well, did well in views, no matter how you count them. So I think, especially considering it was going on at the same time as one of the biggest GPs of the year, got to be considered a pretty successful weekend. Yeah. I, like, I'm not really surprised, you know, like, I, the, like yeah, it, it's, it's a little, uh, it's a little bit of a, you know, people aren't as high on standard right now because it's kind of like the end of a cycle almost like it's almost at rotation people are probably a little bit tired of a few cards and uh and i don't know i mean even for that i think it did really well so and also like i think that's normal i definitely remember like 
tuning out and not watching GPs the summer before Collected Company rotated because yeah. I just knew it was going to be all Collected Company decks. So I don't think it's like a knock on this standard format. Just It's just like everything's been at standard for nine months now since we had a rotation or whatever. And you've seen it all. And people know what's good and they're playing what's good. So I don't think it's like by any means a knock on our current standard. It's just like what happens in the summer when you're getting close to rotation. But Super Standard is around the corner with M20. <laughs> uh, hopefully it shakes it up. I'm very skeptical that, like, anything from M20 is going to unseat, like, the Planeswalker decks currently. But hopefully, uh, hopefully Rotation shakes it up at least. Oh, Rotation will definitely shake it up. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, at least one Teferi is leaving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, we got a couple minutes left. Richard. Give us some fish mail on our way out the door today. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish on Twitter with the hashtag MBGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. First question. S. Cirone. Should the Asian Avenger change the name of his segment from Modern Mayhem to Teferi Mayhem? Because it appears he has just tried to stick to fairies in every modern tier deck. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Should we change your name to the Teferi Avenger? <laughs> hey, this okay for like the first time in like a month. <laughs> I have not played a a Teferi deck in Modern Mayhem, so <laughs> not all of it. Like, okay, what problems by, by like okay by sticking Teferi into any deck, it solves every problem. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you put it in Infect, well, now you don't get to interact on my turn. I do everything now. You put it in Control, well, I don't worry about counter spells anymore, and and Finale of Promise. It just, it does everything. It does everything. What don't you know those home improvement shows where they come to people's houses and, like, (laughs) renovate their house? It's like Krim walks around with a big binder, and in the binder, it's just, like, four Teferis. He's like, let me see your deck. (laughs) Puts four Teferis in, maybe switches some lands for some hollow towns. It's like, you're good to go. How can we fit these four into your deck <laughs> <laughs> all right junker 101 mpl idea here what if they put deck building restrictions to make it more creative like only four or five color decks or other restrictions thoughts on this and what restrictions would you add hmm. oh boy that's an idea that i would like i don't a lot of it comes down to like is the MPL supposed to be like this spiky pro tour atmosphere or is it just like a fun stream atmosphere and no one really knows? I think I would be more entertained by stuff like that. I think a middle ground might just be make a rule like you can only play the same deck once each season or something to force people to at least cycle through different decks instead of just like, I played Esper Hero for five weeks in a row. Uh, so yeah, I don't you know. You take out the heroes and you're like, I have Esper Control. <laughs> <laughs> that is a different deck. That is a different deck, just saying. <laughs> I, I think they should make them play the arena event. So when arena has popper, MPL plays popper that week. When arena has singleton, MPL plays singleton. And I don't know, like magic is meant to be played across formats. So why can't these pros play at a competitive level in like whatever random format everyone else is playing, right? So like they can still, you can see what the best popper deck actually is now that the pros are actually putting their resources into building popper decks, right? So I actually don't think that takes away from the competitive integrity of the MPL if they just play these other formats. Hmm. 
Although I wonder if the MPL is enough to like incentivize people to like spend a week trying to build the best popper deck. Like a pro tour does that, but does random weekly MPL stream is that enough like incentive to to invest in that? Maybe. M B Olsberg. What is the most busted thing in modern to do with turn three Soren, Imperious Bloodlord, minus three Morophon? Is this a meme or real combo? Okay, uh, suppose you've accomplished this. What do you play next? Uh, Mantis right. <laughs> I you you just name like sliver and play all the five color slivers or something. Oh the first oh, sliver. Oh, the first sliver? Yeah. The first sliver into what? What are the five C slivers that are legal? Is Sliver Queen legal? No, no right. Sliver, sliver Hive Legion Lord, right? And Sliver Hive Lord, yeah, yeah. And and so the first that. sliver. And yeah, yeah. And the first sliver, probably. I don't think doing it all with vampires is that good. Like, because vampires are normally black for the most part, so you don't actually get that much of a of a reduction from Morophon if you're just playing, like, 7-drop vampires. So I think you'd have to, like, Soren to put Morophon into play and then use a different tribe to really go crazy. <laughs> uh, Sounds uh, consistent. Yes, I'm thinking about the disasters <laughs> that are about to happen. <laughs> Urza's Takaria, what is worse in the eyes of the goldfish family? Turn to double Eldrazi Temple plus one Naughty Boy. <laughs> or turn three natural tron. Oh, turn three natural tron. Oh, don't make me pick. Turn well, uh, turn three natural tron is so much worse. Turn three natural I, tron is just the stone cold worst. <laughs> I think two Eldrazi temples makes me way more salty because tron they're dedicating their entire deck to doing that, so you expect them to do it. But it's when natural El- tron though, when Eldrazi. <sighs> Okay. Yeah, you know, you know what's irritating? Like a mull to four natural Tron Karn, and you're like, "What is this? <laughs> is this reality? Like, why one lander yeah. natural Tron <laughs> keep? Oh, that happens. This, oh, this yeah. is the this is this is the upside of playing Thoughtseize, my friends. You see their terrible hand, and then you know the string of top decks that comes in and destroys you, and you're like, "Why did this happen?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm way more salty over Tron. Yeah, they're like yeah, no, thought not here. You're like whatever, right? But they're like Karn. You're like, um, okay. But at least with Karn, you just get to scoop. <laughs> oh, oh, I get the privilege of scooping. <laughs> All right, Nathan four zero six nine. What do you think about the Legion War Boss issue that came up during MC three? What, what was, was the issue? issue? Did someone not announce. <laughs> their legion war boss. oh I yeah think they had to yeah announce. oh did someone not announce it or i no, missed no. that that would be the only thing though because you have to announce anything like that or like you know uh wilderness reclamation yeah i'm, I'm just gonna say that was super awkward because they actually tuned into the players mics <laughs> when they did this and i'm like i don't know why you have to make a big deal out of this because it makes it sound like the game is broken when yeah. it's not <laughs> right like at home you you would just put a stop or play full control or whatever but for coverage reasons they didn't want players doing that to slow it down so they just made them announce but then every time it happened the commentators would just call attention to it and they would you know pick up the mics and it was just super weird and awkward i don't know why they, they did so like that so here's what they got to do we already know they can like make 
specific cards work differently than the rest of the cards. Like, for example, Expansion Explosion, it stops now, so you have a chance to, like, copy your spell. Like, uh, so we know they can do that. So I think with, like, Legion Warboss Wilderness Reclamation, just make it so when someone casts those, it automatically allows the opponent to stop on that phase. Like, you get around the entire problem, it improves the game, you could even make it, like, opt-in if you're worried about it slowing down casual players' games and just letting, uh, like, more competitive players opt-in under settings, so I think that would be a really good solution moving forward, and we know they have the ability to do it. But then I won't get my free token if I click fast <laughs> <Free> enough. Token. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's, like, one of the clunkier parts on Arena. It's, like, improved so much that we're down to, like, these little fringe cases that are, like, annoying, but it is really frustrating to, like, not set a stop and be like, oh, I could have killed that Wilderness Reclamation, and now I just lose. Yeah. All right, last question. Run Thunder Snow. What will it take for Faithless Looting to get banned? In your last Much of Brew, you played it over Manamorphose. People say... The mana one is the true culprit, but it seems like looting is to blame. I don't know. I think it's on on the watch list. We'll see what happens. London Mulligans are starting soon, and if we see a bunch of like degenerate turn one faithless looting kill you on turn two with Grizzlebrand reanimation or whatever, that might be what pushes it over the edge. On the other hand, like the deck I played was like a Mardu Pyromancer style deck, and it's actually to me kind of sad that a really fair deck. Like, Mardu Pyromancer is a Jund-level fair, I think. Like, you're just trying to grind out value and make some tokens and hope to not die. But so it's kind of sad to me that really fair decks, and I think we want to be good enough for Bodard, would get hit by the looting betting, too. Yeah, I don't... I, I don't know. Like, it, it just enables so many unfair things. But, you know, it's 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 like a valid card, right? Like, you know, fix your hand for one mana, right? So... Maybe they just ban it and make a new one where you put two cards to the bottom of your library. <laughs> and then you get to you get to loot loot like that instead of going to the graveyard. Oh, that but would make it a lot fairer. You're just trying to fix your hand, right? This seems perfectly reasonable. And then all these graveyard players are just ruining your card for you, right? <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I think Faithless Looting should go. So it should have already gone. <laughs> like it shouldn't be here right now, but <sighs> And, and, like I, I personally feel like that card, if it were to have been banned, it should have been banned a long time ago. Now at this point, I guess we're just gonna wait, see what happens, see what happens with the London Mulligan. I, I, it makes sense to wait until that that happens. And then. Yeah, like this card has been around for a long time, right? It wasn't until they unbanned Dredge into Modern, and then they made Phoenix, and then they made Hogok, and they basically made all these broken things to do with your graveyard that. Uh, looting has come under the, you know, magnifying glass, but it's been around for a while. So maybe the answer is just stop printing so many broken graveyard cards. I, I think the issue though is like when it comes to designing anything with like, you know, graveyard synergies and whatnot in modern, it's just going to get broken anyways. Cause yep. there's just, <laughs> there's too many things. And no matter what you try to do, if you try to make it balanced, it, it will still just become broken. It's hard to balance I think, that. I don't know. I do think maybe you start with the free spells. Like, maybe that's step one, is to get rid of, like, Manamorphose and see. Like, maybe that's enough. Although, it doesn't really... Like, that stops... That slows down, like, is it Phoenix? But it doesn't really do anything against, like, Dredge or Hogak or any of, like, those kind of degenerate decks. So, maybe you just gotta... Maybe you do just gotta get rid of looting. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll just we'll just ban modern altogether, <laughs> <laughs> or just unban Stoneforge, and then we're good. <laughs> I don't get preordain. I don't get ponder. So I mean, none of those cards exist in modern. They're still banned. So I mean, I'm also surprised Ancient Stirrings is still around, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, end on that note. So thank you to everyone who sent in their fish mail. If you have questions, you can send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And that, I believe, brings us to the end of episode 230 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard and Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. And we will be back next week for episode 231, talking about whatever happens this week in the magic world. So, until then, this is the crew signing out. Bye.